Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Matthew Temple. I'm John Blakemore. I'm Jackson Blakemore. And I'm Rafa Nuff, and we're super excited. We got Matthew back with another great episode. We need to get John's origin story, because obviously Jackson had an episode all dedicated to him. So I think everybody knows Jackson. And Matthew's been on a dozen times at this point. But John, I don't know that everybody knows John Blakemore. So give us your origin story. You know, where did you, how'd you get into gaming and, and how did you find your way to Kings of War? I uh, used to build model airplanes, model tanks, model battleships when I was a kid, all that stuff. And I used to have uh, like an antique erector set. And that's, that was my perfect Saturday was to go get a model kit or build something with the erector set. Then in uh, early 80s, my cousin came to town, brought the basic D&D with him, started playing D&D, and then they had figures for D&D. So for many years, I painted D&D figures. And then then when I got to grad school and had government money to waste, I was able to spend student loan money on uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles. A, a guy I met in grad school, his bunch down in Macon, Georgia, was into that, and uh, he got me to spend money that technically wasn't mine on that, and did quite a bit of that. And then after uh, many years after grad school, I didn't play any miniature games. I played D&D with my, with my friends and, and didn't paint, you know, anything outside of that. And then one year at Gen Con, I, I came across uh, a copy of um, Dreadball. And Jack was, was young, and we had previously played a game called um, Battle Ball. I love Battle Ball. Isn't it awesome? It's kind of like Blood Bowl, but really, you, in, instead of the 2D6, you've got multiple different kinds of dice. Oh, it was very elegant, where the, the higher the die, the faster you were, but the worse you were at blocking. So you had to roll under for for blocking, but over for movement and, and catching and stuff. So yeah, it was brilliant. I tried to get uh, get him into uh, Dread Ball, but it was a little too advanced. I mean, he was, he was pretty young. And so we put that on the shelf and, but I became aware of magic there. And at a used bookstore, I think I found a, uh, uh, Kings of War second edition rule book, cheap, like half list price, picked up, flipped through it, recognized some of the models because at the time they didn't have a whole line. So a lot of the models that were in the artwork there were D and D figures. <laughs> like, Oh, I recognize, you know, this monster, that monster. And, and I still had all these fantasy battle figures in storage. And I thought, well, this, this is a simpler system. He could grasp it pretty quickly, get, get him into it. And then one day, uh, I believe it was president's day several years ago, I went into work and he was off and I come home to see that he had taken some of the orcs from the, uh, the fantasy, uh, crazy Bobby crazy boxes that we'd gotten and had painted up a bunch of orcs. And I thought, well, these look pretty good. Let's let's give it a shot. And so I don't remember. Uh, we didn't have a table. We didn't have terrain. Didn't have anything at home. But there was a local uh, one day thing up in Nashville, and uh, I drug him there when he must have been eleven or twelve, and uh, met met you, Rob. It was at the Truxton building. Yep, Todd was there. Yeah, Todd Perkins, and yeah, that was awesome. 
That was a and lot of several, fun. Several other people, and that was our first taste. And I think after that, we were completely unaware of like GTs and tournaments and stuff. But uh, through that, I saw there was the Forge down in Birmingham, which is only a, a few hours away. And I believe I drug him to his first GT that November in uh, in Birmingham. And I've got pictures of him and Nate. <laughs> then, you know, and then him and Nate now were... I believe Jack's probably taller than him now, but yeah, that was our first one. Well, that's a great story, guys. Let's get into some hobby updates, Matthew. I know we got a Depticon around the corner. You must be furiously painting. What have you been working on? A little bit of everything. So uh, touch-ups on the goblins, trying to to make them look nice and uh, make sure that you know the paint scores the Depticon aren't terrible. So you know that's important. Um, and then really trying to put several hours in for um, the Mantic Brush with Death uh, painting contest. They haven't put rules up for that yet, so I'm going uh, off what they had last year, but have a couple of fantasy um, submissions ready to go, and then a couple of sci-fi that are still being worked on, but they're getting pretty close. So I'm super excited, and uh, just half the fun for me going to Adepticon is just seeing like the amazing paint stuff between uh, the other Mantic stuff. And uh, of course, you know, golden demon and all the, all this stuff going, it's, it's an amazing place to go see some hobbies. So uh, super looking forward to that. You guys going to make it to Adepticon one year. It's just about the far end of where I'm willing to drive and I can't get Jack back on a plane. So I mean, how Never far is it for you, Rob, from Memphis? It's about 10 and a half hours, 10-ish hours. You know, so you're looking at probably 13 hours, probably. So it, it's a haul. It's in what, March? Yeah, it's in March. John, what are you painting? I mean, you can't possibly be painting any more dwarves at this point, right? You'd be wrong. That's on the list. I actually, now that they've got shield breakers, I'm like, I can break out these 30-year-old metals that I have. The old hammer models? Yeah, I've got a bunch of those. Like, I can rebase them if I want, or I can get new figures to make it look like you know the uh to match the rest of my army i'm debating it but between uh forge and like march there's no tournaments we go to so this is my time to catch up on anything not kings of war so what about blue sea brawl that's back in march again it is now yeah first week of march and they just announced it like the other day so uh, there was no (laughs) there's no progress on that because i didn't i didn't even think about that until like two days ago but like i painted up some Three lances of Battletech figures have been sitting around a house, and I got some bolt action stuff uh, for Christmas, so I'm like dabbling in that. But as soon as as soon as the grind's back on, I'm back to my slow wreck, and I finally got a nice you know horde and a half of, of warriors. And then they had the Clash of Kings update that made them completely useless compared to spearmen. It's like, well, I just I'll put these on the shelf and start painting spearmen. Ratkin is on the list for next year. And Jackson, uh, what's your mom been painting for you lately? You're very funny, but uh, I, I... <laughs> your dad's on been, mute, but he's laughing his butt off right now. <laughs> I got the uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I think that's what it's called. The Earth's Mightiest Heroes set for our Marvel Crisis Protocol for Christmas. It's, it's weird. They they redid everything, but the the models are always fantastic. Pain the butt to put together, but they're always, they're always good. Um, I've started painting up Ultron. Have you seen, like, the What If series? Yeah. I'm doing Ultron uh, from that What If series, where he's got the Infinity Stones and his and his power armor. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been working on right now. That and terrain for the game. We all need our mom to paint our Kings of War army so we can paint other games. Be quiet, be quiet. Bless her. She uh, 
she loves painting terrain. I can't get her to play, but she'll help paint some figures. She paints terrain. I made, I 3D printed a bunch of uh, these fantasy mugs for my D&D group as Christmas presents. And of course, the weather got nasty. We couldn't prime anything, but she's been plugging away, making, painting these beautiful uh, fantasy style mugs for me to hand out to my, uh, my buddies. Well, awesome, guys. One of the things that we're kind of really putting effort, emphasis on in 2024 is, you know, what are we doing for the community? What are we doing to grow the community? Anybody got anything they want to add? Not sure about accomplished, but uh, I had a group uh, reach out to me. They saw our uh, tournament coming up at uh, up in Sinclair Games. Uh, it'll actually have happened by the time everybody's hearing this, but uh, they reached out and said, hey, can we come watch? I'm like, you better believe you can come watch. Come on up. We got all sorts of stuff. So uh, been been chatting with them. Uh, they're on the south side of Indy like I am, so I'm kind of hoping we can you know, get a group going there because not driving 50 minutes would be kind of nice, <laughs> but uh, just, uh, you know, trying to expand there. Been doing a lot of games, uh, talking to a lot of guys. Uh, we've been sitting up next to the bathroom uh, wherever we can. That way we know somebody's going to walk by and look at us. So that gives us a chance to, uh, you know, communicate with people. And I'm like, yeah, hey, hey, this is a fun game. It's easy. Here's the website. The rules are free. I mean, we're, we're really trying to kind of push that idea of, hey, yeah, this is fun and you should definitely join us. So. Are you guys playing at Sinclair Games or a different store? Sinclair about half the time. And then uh, Game Preserve South is uh, the one that's closer to my house. So that's that's the one I usually prefer to go to. But uh, Sinclair actually carries Mantic stuff. So we definitely go up there and support the store that way. Do you guys have a specific night you're trying to get rolling? Friday nights is the night we do right now but as i told guys hey if there's another night let us know and we'll work it out more than the same exact boat at war room hobbies we were playing on wednesdays and it just made more sense for the people that were coming up to play on thursdays so we we transitioned to thursdays i know on our end we're we're, we're getting some people uh that haven't really played a lot of tabletop games coming into the store and we've got a couple of them interested in kings of war so i'm really excited about the opportunity to get them rolling and john you have a new a guy that um i have been talking to uh, who's in your neck of the woods, right? And and he's getting into, or has gotten into Kings of War. And I think you guys have played some games, right? Yeah, I was about to bring him bring him up. Andrew, he's uh, about 20 minutes uh, west of here. Problem with living where we live is that we're 30 to 45 minutes or an hour plus from anything. So, uh, but he had no problem traveling. And so right before Christmas, uh, we went up about, about an hour from me north, north of Nashville. And we met... Uh, with Kevin Drury and uh, and uh, Bryce Clark and Mike Bergamini. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. He showed up. Even uh, Todd came by to say hi and Andrew. And we uh, they let us have a couple tables, and we played a couple games and swapped uh, opponents, and they were real accommodating. They came by. The owners, uh, the, the staff came by and talked it up to us. And, of course, uh, uh, one of my D&D friends lived in the area. He stopped by to say hi and, and watch for a while. And Todd came by and said, hey. and so we ended up playing about five hours, which is the closest to uh, a, uh, a non-tournament meetup for uh, Kings of War that I've had in quite a while. Well, awesome, guys. Let's take a quick commercial break on the other side. Let's jump in and get our, rolling on our main topic, getting kids into Kings of War. We'll be right back. How do you know someone's from Yorkshire? Don't worry. They'll tell you. Just like me. I'm from Yorkshire. I'm Nick Williams, 2017 UK Clash of Kings champion. You're listening to Counter Charge. 
Welcome back to Countercharge. And next up, we've got this great topic that Matthew threw out, you know, about getting kids and families to play Kings of War together. And, you know, Matthew, I'm going to let you uh, lead us off. This is a thought that I have been, quite frankly, thinking about a lot. I've got two young daughters, and how do I get them and just kids in general into the hobby? And, you know, I'm starting to get a tad bit older. I don't want to admit that, but I am. And, uh, you know, I, I love this hobby, and I really want this hobby to keep going. So how do we reach that next generation? And I wish I had answers to that, but I don't. So I thought, you know what, I should... We should talk to some people who actually have answers. And that would, of course, be John, because he literally got the next generation in, which is awesome. And then say, you know, we should probably ask Jackson, too. I bet he kind of has an idea of, you know, what kids like these days. Right. Right, Jackson. Maybe. <laughs> so, you know, it's good to have uh, both views on that. So that's the question. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited about this particular topic because, again, I, I need some ideas like. What, what, what can I do to get my daughters interested in this? You kind of talked about this already, but uh, John Jackson, what kind of got you two going with this? Like, why Kings of War or gaming in particular? Well, like I mentioned earlier, my wife is a very crafty, very creative person. And I had years of modeling and painting. And so even without gaming, there's still art and Legos and, and um, parlor beads and every little type of craft in the world, regardless of whether it's a game. And of course I, I, I was into it and it's been, like I said, playing board games. We play, we have a, a game night, whether it's something really simple because uh, little sister is just now getting to the age where she has the patience to be able to sit through and play something a, a little longer. But yeah, we, we play, we're a gaming family and, that was something I felt was he could get his, he could get grips with because it's a, it's an elegant system. It's a smooth system. And that was where I basically, uh, at near gunpoint, drug him up to the truckson building one day when he was little <laughs> and turn him loose. There's so many factors. I mean, and this is going to play into some other questions later, but it's not just Kings of War. Like, like if you would have told me when I was little or when I, in a different life where I could comprehend things, not when I was little, but that I would play Kings of War. I mean, I would play miniature games. Kings of War would not be the first to come to mind because uh, that is not my, uh, that was not my main interest as a kid. My main interest was Legos and space and knights and well, more specifically like, like little like stand up action figure knights. But dad introduced me to, D D at a very young age not the game itself but just he had a box of figures just a huge box of figures and i'd, I'd play with the figures they look cool they uh and that's that's the big thing is looking cool to like a five-year-old is incredible does wonderful things to him but he did that with star wars he did that with uh with D, and then eventually it's like hey look basileans i was like oh cool sick that's that's awesome and that's kind of how I got incorporated into the game. When we painted his room, when uh, my wife was pregnant, we made it use stencils and uh, and uh, and wallpaper to make it look like a castle. And we lined his shelves with the Papo and sh uh, was it Schlage figures of the blue and red knights. 
on foot and whatever. So his room was like a castle. And there was even a little, uh, like, Puff the Magic Dragon-looking dragon peeking over the battlements into his crib. And uh, so you could say, kind of laid the groundwork very early. That's awesome. <laughs> so, man, that is cool. Okay, so very much a family uh, affair for you then. Love that. Um, so I, I guess sort of my next question, this is, uh, again, definitely for both of you. What's some challenges we face uh, as parents slash uh, role models for anybody listening who, you know, d- doesn't have kids? You know, what, what are some challenges out there for us to get kids into this particular hobby or, uh, you know, playing games and all that kind of stuff? With like the new age of technology, uh, there are so many like quicker and more like instantaneous re- like I don't want to say reliable because not but like video games for example video games are up in your face they're quick they're they're a lot of fun I play video games that's a very big competitor against anything tabletop or just a lot of things in general it's hard to grab the attention of like a kid when they're used to playing like two four-minute matches at a, like, rounds. I know I play Rainbow Rainbow Six Siege. Like, those rounds are quick. They're literally three minutes long, three to four minutes long max rounds. And, like, once you get used to that, and there's other things like TikTok, once you get used to that, like, very short, quick, like, boost of colors, bright attention, lights, it's very difficult to sit down for, like, an hour, paint something, sit down for an hour and play a game. That's That's just kind of one of my personal, like... I could see that being a disrupting factor in other place, other people and places. I would also add that uh, cost is a, a barrier because in addition to the uh, instant gratification of, of spending $60 on a, a digital download video game, and then you have what kind of graphics we could have never even dreamed of when we were playing, you know, Super Mario Brothers back in the day, that's, that's hard to compete with and at a price point. And, you know, it, it's $60 uh, now you, you might get two. you might get a rule book or you might get a, a couple of, of boxes of figures. And when you of about 20 to 60 figures, and now when you're talking about playing with literally hundreds of figures and some types of armies, the price is a thing. And it's, it's, I think it's easier when you have uh, Access to somebody else's toys, which is a point we'll I'll get to later on in one of the other bullet points. But price is definitely a barrier. Those are fantastic points, Jackson. I, I love that you're the one talking about the the short attention spans and the bright colors and the video games. Because again, I feel I'm I'm the old guy in the room sometimes. Oh, these kids these days. Uh, so again, I'm 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 happy you're the one saying that because that's what I see. But you know, I also don't want to be the old guy on the lawn so of course yeah step one is to recognize your flaws well, again this is definitely for everybody here for those of us with young children how would you suggest i get my daughters into this game or into this hobby or again any young children or uh, like that so what can we do to grab their attention like you know a video game or whatever hey take a look here look what we got Cool factor. Cool factor is a huge part. As in, like, give give me something that your daughter likes. Something unicorns, mermaids, and rainbow friends. I believe it's called. Rainbow friends is from Roblox. Yeah, don't they watch YouTube videos? Watching that, they've never played. But she's like, oh, I love rainbow friends. I'm like, you're weird. 
there's plenty of games out there that have like board games, board games. And that's, that's the big thing is Kings of War. While many of us think of it as a much simpler version than some of the other like warfare miniature games out there, it still, it still has all of its rules. One reason mom doesn't get into it when me and me and dad talk about it is there's so many rules like, well, thunderous charge, crushing strength, stealthy and snare. And mom's like, what do these words mean? But if you, if you slowly like, it just exponentially in, increase and in, introduce things to those young kids. Eventually they're going to grasp more, more and more concepts. And it's kind of all like an interlocking web. I mean, every game has its similarity to all the other games in it. Like there's a game we play, what's it called? Dad, fairy, fairy tile, fairy tile, fairy tile. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a game about princesses and dragons and knights, and you're making a story and it's got some elements in it where, uh, there's not really a point system, but it's still a game that you can sit down and play with the family, and that's a that's another big thing. In that game in particular, what you end up doing is you have these these cards of story elements, and then as you go around, build the board as you go, and and move the figures around. But when you win, you actually put your cards you played in. There's a number in the bottom. You put them in the right order, and you can read a story. It makes not necessarily a, a good story or a, a logical story, but it makes a story of the game. So it, it, it's kind of uh, uh, entry level, I guess, something that gets uh, little girls' attentions as well as little little boys' attention. And then from there, you can introduce them to more games. Like like Dad said, uh, Battle Ball. Battle Ball was big for me because I wasn't a big football fan, but I was into superheroes and like robots, and that's a big thing in Battle Ball. It's, it's all in the future, high tech. And so there's, there's these big old guys in beefy like machine suits, and that was really cool to me. Because, like, I mean, that's cool. That Robot suits are cool. Nobody's going to deny that, like, Gypsy Danger for Pacific Rim isn't cool. I mean, that's dope. And, and like, that was simple enough. Roll a die. I mean, you have only, like, very limited amount of actions that you can do. Throw the ball, catch the ball, move, block. I mean, that's that's practically it. And that was simple. And then you move up to other games like... Uh, like D and D, D and D is more complex, and I mean it kind of it kind of goes along with what they're learning in school too, right? Because D and D, you you got to work numbers. I mean, it's not it's not like you're a bank teller, but you're still have you're still having to do math, and that's that's another big thing. Is it's it's good for you. It's good for your brain. It's good to think. Part of what I when I was introducing him to uh, the different dice for D and D and stuff like that. I got a piece of graph paper and I showed him all the different possible results on two dice, three dice. I showed him the bell shaped curve. And, and even later on, I'm telling him, okay, now if, if when you're playing Kings of War, if you've got 12 attacks on threes and how many wounds do you expect to get against a defense five unit? And so you have to go through and do the mental gymnastics of, of well, the probabilities. And so I introduced him to probabilities pretty early, you know, and the fact that a single die roll is linear equal chance of hitting any any number but when you throw multiple dies so i've been i've been playing role-playing games and stuff for so long and seen so many systems come and go that uh and i don't get to play as often as i used to so i'm i basically just analyze the rule systems and take them apart and play with them just something to keep the add brain going at all times but another thing i think is like he said the robots and who doesn't love futuristic robot football i mean Remember the promos for Fox uh, Fox NFL had these robot dudes, right, in helmets and throwing football. So 
it ties it all together. Find something that your kid is interested in and said, oh, you like unicorns? Let me introduce you to forces of nature. Hey, here's a unicorn. Oh, my my daughter, who has zero interest or or, or patience to play, has painted some pretty good looking figures. I've got her some of the uh, Wizards of the Coast paint paint and play, where it's a, a pre-primed figure and some paints. She's painted a manticore. She's painted a griffin. She's painted several things that has a talent for her. And she's like, one monster is a nice project. You know, 60 naiads, maybe not so much. But she, again, getting back to that that arts and crafts thing, she'll happily paint one thing and then run off and do something else. But hook them on what they think is cool. And other than, you know, no robots, this game has something for every you know, from steampunk down to pure fantasy, orcs and dwarves and elves, goblins or elementals, nature, crazy stuff, undead. It's got a lot to draw on anything the kid might possibly think is cool. Well, here, try this. I will say the elementals at first were what captivated me for D&D. Like water elementals were so cool in my opinion. The translucent models, they were, they freaked me. I was like, what dark magic is this? How did that work? Um, and and that I mean, still every time I look at somebody's water elementals, I love Gibney's uh, Chris Gibney's bases. They are so cool. Uh, if you don't know, he's got he's got a uh, Trident Realms army. Rarely plays it anymore, but he's got a Trident Realms army, and he's got resin water effects. And so all of his stuffers and like like swampy, uh, like Cthulhu Lovecrafty and like dark water. It's really cool. It is, and that's definitely like that's my wow factor. Find find the wow factor for your kids. If they like unicorns, make a unicorn esque like pretty pony prancing theme army. And that's the thing; it can be anything. It's not like other games where it's you have to do X Y Z. It can be your army can literally be a bunch of Shreks put on bases. Like that's happened. It can be anything, and your imagination is your limit. Like. How far can it go? And that's my favorite thing about it. So this next question is basically for Jackson. So I, I've got a story after you, you say something to, to share with everybody. But my question is, friends, I know you're on the football team, teammates, and it, I, I, I do mean this seriously, girls, what do they think of this hobby? Everybody else on the stream is kind of chuckling here. They probably know where I'm going with this. But go ahead. Go ahead. What's what's the opinion of the young people about that kind of thing? I'm automatically a 10 out of 10 if I play Kings of War in any woman's book ever in history. But regardless of that, um, my teammates, my teammates are aware that and I don't I don't want to brag, but I am, you know, up in that top 10. Uh, shut up, Dad. I'm in the top 10. Like in my class, I mean, I'm smart and the football knows I'm smart. And it's just like every time he goes off and does a tournament, like, well, yeah, that's what Jackson does because Jackson's smart. And they think it's chess. It's not chess. I don't know why they think it's chess. But as as long as and that's another thing is like, I'm, I'm kind of like, hey, you, you can't you can't stereotype me either, which is what a lot of the popular kids, I guess, find weird is that like. You can't call me a nerd because I'm in football, but you can't call me a jock because I play uh, wizard chess. So what what do you label me as? And that that's the other thing is just like I stick out like a sore thumb, but then again fit in in all a bunch of different places, and I like that. And 
And my friends, um, one of my friends is a great guy. His name's Jace. Jace has a girlfriend and she plays D and D. And so like, we've, we've made multiple plans to like get together, play games. I mean, so it's, it's not like, like they're just aware of it. I mean, they actively like, I'll ask them like, yo, you want to play a game or something? We, we sit down and play like shadows of brimstone, or we can play like Marvel crisis protocol because that's, that's what interests them because you, you don't usually come to like D and D without having some other prerequisites. Right. I mean, D and D kind of goes hand in hand with Marvel or maybe DC or maybe star Wars. I mean, you gotta, there's some, there's some other background that comes from that, uh, like brings out the nerd in you. Right. And so that's, that's the big thing is find, yeah, find, it goes back to the other point, find something they're interested in. I know when, no, when they came over to the house for the first time, uh, his girlfriend like checked out the Marvel crisis protocol stuff. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm like, yeah, I know. And that's, that's huge. I mean, the fact that it made a lasting impact on her and it's like, oh, these figures are so cool. Maybe we'll play with them sometime. Huh? Uh, and Jason's like, yeah, that that'd be cool. I'd I'd love to play with, it. yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's what they that's what they think. I know. Growing up, it was always like, uh, like you were in a secret society. Like you didn't want everyone to know that you played D and D. Like, anyway, I got a funny anecdote. When we were remodeling our uh, our what used to be a garage and to make it into a, a, a playroom and area, we went to Lowe's and we were talking to the guy in charge of the kitchen cabinets and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'd kind of like these cabinets to have glass furnaces. I said, well, what do you what do you need that for if it's not in the kitchen? I said, well, you know, I want to I want to showcase some stuff. What do you want to showcase? You know, my my hobby stuff. What hobby stuff? Yeah, figures. What kind of figures? You know, game figures. What kind of game? Turns out this dude was into bolt action and knew exactly what I wanted. When I said, oh, Kings of Warfare. Oh yeah, no problem. I know exactly what you want. And set us up. And as a matter of fact, first year I went to TNT. Dude came over and found me. I was pretty easy to spot in my outfit. And like, well, that's, that's one. I, do you speak the code? Was I, are you one of, are you one of us? <laughs> it's not quite like that now with the uh, stranger things, making it popular and critical role, making it popular. So it's not like it's got the aura of mystery around. In fact, with Marvel cinematic universe, and also it's kind of hip to be square. It's kind of cool to be into the geeky stuff. And so it doesn't have the, 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 um, social stigma it used to lord knows and people are more willing to give these things a shot now than they were in the past so that that goes very much into the story i wanted to tell uh, a couple years ago a girl approached me at her school and said hey mr temple uh, do you know the the D club i said yeah yeah you know it's, I, I know the teacher and all that do you, do you think they'd let me join i go of course they'd let you join. They would be so happy to to have you. That'd be great. I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna love you. And, and she looked at me, or was over the the computer, but she she looked and said, "I don't know, Mister Temple. I'm not cool enough to be in the D and D club." And I started laughing because I thought she was joking. Uh, for anybody listening to this podcast who's under the age of about thirty, like. Yeah, like when I was a kid, as you're saying, it was sort of a secret society. Like people would look at you like you were, I, I don't even know, uh, sacrificing animals or something when you're playing dice and rolling them. And a girl saying, I'm not cool enough to be in the D&D club blew my mind. So that's one of the big questions I want to ask. What do other kids think of this? And 
again, it, it, it is refreshing to hear that your generation's like, oh, cool, um, instead of, ew, yuck. So that's fantastic. We kind of already answered this one, but uh, what kind of strategies can we use to attract the younger generation? Not, not just your kids, but like other kids, other kids. What can we do to attract them? I was going to make the analogy uh, like we just said back in the day. It was like, can you play? Do you know? Do you, you learn D&D and other games from other people. You didn't go and, and grab it off the shelf and just whip it out and start playing that that. It was pretty much word of mouth, person to person. It was it was uh, kind of underground, and I kind of feel that's the way now with miniatures games. If if somebody came along, even if they bought the big two starter two player starter set for Kings of War, and opened it up, if they were, didn't have a modeling background, and you've got all this plastic, and you've got to cut it out, and glue it together, and paint it, and everything before you even rolled any dice to play it, that that's a barrier. So you need to we need to spread it kind of the old way where you demo it or you find somebody, you let them borrow your figures. You, you show them the end product and not the beginning. You, you get over the, cause that, that, that's got to be a barrier if you're not already artistically inclined. And Jack doesn't paint as much. And yes, his mom and I help paint a lot of stuff. He's way more into playing it than he is into painting it. And that's okay. Cause it's a dual hobby because you can paint and paint and paint and paint and paint and never play. Or you can play and play and play and play and, and never paint. You can buy a painted army if you want. It, it's not. It's two hobbies in one. And if you're more into one than the other, that's fine. But it's you kind of have to get somebody to ease you into it. I think. Pretty much going to reiterate it. Wow factor, huge. I mean, I feel like again, I said prerequisites. You gotta you gotta make sure they want to like play it. Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta make sure that's, that's what they're into. You can't, it's not just like, it's a hobby. I mean, hobbies, some hobbies are for everybody. I mean, I don't like shot putting. That, that's just basic. I don't, I don't like it. Um, but other people may. And that's, that's the big thing when it comes to this is I'd recommend before, like as a test, like Star Wars, if you don't like Star Wars, eh, I mean, Lord of the Rings. You don't like Lord of the Rings. I mean, you may not be as inclined to play Kings of War as someone who is just a Lord of the Rings diehard. That that's that's the big thing is if you can, and like what my dad said is, show them the end process, show them battle the five armies, show them the big models, show them the big nasty demons, the uh, the flying angels. I mean, show them that. Don't show them the uh, the sleepless night you get when you're up like trimming and painting or don't show them like that cut you got when you're trimming up a model with the exacto knife i mean that will come that will come in time but you got to hook the audience before you you know reel them in that's 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 my process and reasoning all right fantastic so kind of fleshing it out here so what kind of events what kind of things can we do like in the public in order to get the younger generation, not just like players like Jackson, I was like, Hey, let's do an event. Let's bring some of your friends in. What kind of stuff would I need to do to get that crew interested? I think number one is have a club that has units already done. Start with ambush. Ambush is great. And let the new kids play with other people's figures. Let them play the game before they get the hobby and show them, you know, as far as events, I mean, definitely have like an ambush uh, event, have a, 
have a, a couples game, you know, uh, teams, so that you've got a guy that knows how to play, bring your buddy. He doesn't have to do anything but show up, be a teammate with his friend that already knows how to play, playing with somebody else's figures, and have your have prize support be an ambush box of of whichever army that interests him. You know, especially you know Mike Carter did this. This is where I met you, uh, Matt. It was. I love that tournament. Yeah, and it, it's uh, it's called how you use it, and he would supply a thousand points of uh, Kings of War figures, and the figures would stay on the table, and you would move between tables. So you would sit down with somebody else's army and play, and next round, like, oh, I'm I'm playing undead okay next round oh now i'm playing dwarves oh next round now i'm playing you know what you got a good taste for what's out there what's offered and there was no investment other than your time and your entry fee jackson who won our game in that one do you remember probably you i mean that was back when i was what 12 ish dad that sounds about right something like that i remember my first game against matt and it's like uh i really underestimated what uh lots of dice do against defense six I had undead, and I'm throwing hordes of undead at your defense six uh, trident realm guys. I'm like, well, this is useless. <laughs> Thirty dice and no wounds. Oh, who would figure? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like what I said earlier, invite my friend, and hopefully it spreads into like a butterfly effect, a chain reaction, and people. I mean, and he tells a friend, and they tell a friend, and so on and so forth, and. That's how, that's how communities develop. I mean, that's the basic of the basis of how it all grows and fleshes out, and like inviting inviting one friend, like bring along. I know Dad did it at a, a couple, was Kings of Memphis, something like that, probably Kings of Memphis last year or this year. I think both times actually. Anyway, he brought a he brought one of his best friends, and he just watched. He just he just walked around and watched and. You got to make sure, like, the community and Kings of War community never fails with this, but the community is always bright and very welcoming. And that's, that's one of the, my favorite aspects about it. I mean, you'll never find a negative person in a Kings of War community. And so just basically run, let them run, run loose like a kid in a candy store. Like, go look at other people's armies, see, see what you can, like, become, see what you can make out of these armies. I mean, Go look around. I mean, and War Room, the the venue we were playing at, the War Room, Rob, is that what it's called? Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, that's it. Yeah, the, the War Room is a super, like, clean and very, very, very nice, like, venue to play at. It's got drinks. I mean, it supplies you with pretty much everything you need. And, again, the store owners, great people. Places like that. And places where it's not just a Kings of War uh, venue, and that's the public thing. Public venues, that, yeah, uh, exactly. Do, do game days and d- demos and play in public, which is a big thing. I mean, even if the store doesn't doesn't necessarily carry Kings of War figures, well, you can play Kings of War with any any range of figures you want. And if a store carrying any kind of figures, they they can make sales off this game. They don't have to, have to carry magic figures to do it. But public uh, public games and public venues and just Get out there and be seen. Be seen playing it. You can't expect to grow your community if people don't know there's a community to be grown. Axe Grinder, Axe Grinder's at a mall. I mean, a mall of all places. And plenty of people walk by. And it's intriguing. I mean, you you never know what 
what people like you're going to expect when you walk into one of those rooms. Sure, I mean you're gonna you're gonna hear like maybe someone got double snakes and it's like yes uh, you got got the role they needed and you're gonna you're gonna hear a good time. It's going to be a very warm and welcoming atmosphere with plenty of cool painted models. Sometimes the terrain is not on point with I'm not saying Ash Rider, but just in tournaments in general. Rob's terrain is always is always top shelf. I'll give props to Rob. Rob's terrain is always top shelf and even. And some people might complain that like, oh, how am I supposed to play on this? There's so much terrain. Like, well, it's beautiful. That's how you play on it. You play on it and be glad that you're not playing on, you know, uh, an oval cut out of cardboard and that's your pond. You know, that, that's, it's beautiful. That gets people in. Beautiful, cool looking tables. Yeah, you're setting the stage. It's a pageantry, right? Like, it's like watching that opening scene from Lord of the Rings when, you know, the, the orcs and the elves are smashing together and there's all these swords, you know, slicing each other up. When you see those big giant mass battle games like kings of war uh, done on a pretty table with cool looking armies in public yeah it, it it definitely can hook you but i know jackson you mentioned earlier it does take a certain mindset right like not everybody's into you know high fantasy right and, and i get that yeah and that's the other thing you got to be okay with that you can't you can't it's just like anything else in life you have to be accepting of other people's ideas and beliefs you, you just got to be accepting of them like all right i get it you don't like kings of war or maybe you don't like tabletop miniatures at all let's go play video games let's go uh, together and and that's the big thing is kings of war yeah you're playing it uh maybe you're playing for a tournament but i mean the tournament wouldn't be there if y'all weren't playing together and that's that's what makes Kings of War the game that we know and love because it, at the end of the game at the end of the day it's a good game but it's the community that makes and breaks it. I know there's so many video games online. It's like great game, but dear Lord Almighty, the community is just a toxic piece of crap. Like I don't want to play this game not because the game's bad, but because the people playing the game are scum. Kings of War is the exact opposite of scope. Part of it, though, I think, is that our community is small enough that we don't attract. Exactly. Like, percentage-wise, right? Like, when you get those giant communities with millions of people, right. yeah. you're yeah. going to get that, that toxicity from that small percentage. So, fortunately, we're Goldilocks-sized. We do that uh, at, like, NashCon TNT. You know, even though the first year I was here, we were in the main room with, you know, the cage, you know, the elevated ring and stuff. And that that's a centerpiece. That gets people's attention. In later years, we kind of were in side rooms, but still you walk by the room and you hear people having a good time. You hear people shouting, laughing, having a good time. And we got lots of people just come around the corner and have a look at the room and say, what's going on in here? Y'all having a blast in here? Like, yes, yes, we are. So those public venues and, you know, like at game stores. And I know that like a uh, war room, when we have a tournament over there when Rob has, it, it eats it up. Most of the of the house is is playing tables, but other people in there walking around buying or playing other games. Like these guys are rocking it and having a good time. Not to knock uh, cons that have to get like hotel rooms or whatever, you know, get a ballroom or whatever, and do it in a conference room. That's great. We have a good time, but for visibility, it's the malls, it's the game stores, and it's the 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 big conventions like that where you have lots of people wandering around going, "Man, they're having a blast in there. What what are they doing? It's so much fun." And they, Rock up and see. What are you seriously playing with a three foot long dinosaur as your figure? Like, as a matter of fact, Kyle is. Yeah, it's funny because uh, you know somebody told me one time the faithful are already here, so you're not trying to recruit the faithful. They're are they're already playing. It's it's finding opportunities to show it to the to everybody else that hasn't seen the game. And you know, Jackson, to your point, it's, there's a game for everybody and every game. And and if they try Kings of War or they don't like the look of it, 
no harm, no foul. But there's a group of people that are into tabletop gaming that this is in their wheelhouse. And once you show it to exactly, them yeah. and they realize the existence and all the cool stuff about it, they're like, oh, this is my jam. This is a crump game. Is that what the kids say these days, Jackson? No, absolutely not. But we can work with that analogy. Crunk. Okay. It's crunk. All right. All right. I'm muting now. <laughs> we'll take a quick commercial break on the other side. Uh, let's share a few of the tips that the community provided uh, about this subject. We'll be right back. This is Alex Chavez from the 2018 Kings of War U.S. Masters. You're listening to Countercharge. Welcome back to Countercharge. And next up, we'll share some of the tips that you guys have shared on our Facebook page. We'll share the, the tip or the comment. We can just kind of chat about it. The first one's from Keith Conroy. He says, get them to paint. Find some 3D printed models, get some cheap paint, and let them have fun mixing colors. You know, if you're talking about young children, like, get them in. Like, actually have them do. It's funny. I think the older they get, they may transition out of the hobby, maybe, and more into maybe rule like the rules and the playing of the game. But I know when my daughter was like five and six, she was all about just coming up with a big, you know, number four paintbrush and just gave her some Reaper models and a box load of uh, craft paint, and she just went to town. I mean, I, yeah, that's that's great advice. Do you guys have anything you want to add on that? Yeah, I was going to say, what, what, what do you mean by cheap paints? My daughter looks at the cheap paints and goes, "No, Dad, that's not right." Those are the paints. Okay. So yeah, she, uh, yeah, yeah. She, she started with the, the, the good stuff. My daughter paints on canvas. And so she's used to putting a ton of paint into the palette for the canvas painting. Like that's more than you'll need ever. Thank you for wasting all my, all my good paint. Thank you. Tom D's gave us a great comment. Painting a single mini, then a troop, then a regiment, then play a game of ambush, introduce them to the rules, you know, watch your language and no one likes to lose all the time. I like his incremental growth, but like start with one model, yeah, maybe then paint a troop, build yourself up. And, and also through that process, I think you would see if the, the person has an aptitude or a passion for it, right? Or if they don't, and that's fine too. You know, Jackson, hey, you got, you have great talent at home to help you. You're blessed. Watch your words, Rob. Watch your words. My wife paints uh, all the freehand on all my models because I, to this day, can't do freehand. If there's, that's like here, you you do the you do the sun, you do the flames, you do the whatever. But yeah, started my daughter on monster figures. This monster figure was cool. Okay, you painted a figure. You're hooked. I agree on the exponential like format of it. Get them, get them to do the little things first. If you do the little things, the big, the big things become easier and easier. Uh, one Griffin, one Griffin seems like a lot. Well, now I've tackled uh, maybe one, two, or three Griffins. Hey, let's let's try a naiad. Oh, painting a naiad doesn't take as much as painting a single like big old Griffin. All right, I'll paint a couple more of these, and by the time you have a whole regiment, and then maybe a horde, and then play a little play a little game of ambush. I mean, ambush, ambush was a great idea by the developers. Uh, just something simple to it, it captures what we're talking about. I mean, it gets people who don't have, I mean, maybe the, the time or maybe haven't invested enough into the game. They want to kind of see they're on that, they're on that, on that little tip point or like, maybe I won't play the game. Maybe I will. We'll see with a couple of games. I ambush and it, it reduces the, the amount of some of the extra nastiness. And, and to be fair, you can probably still game ambush. You know, there are units are probably kind of, there's very powerful regiments that figure out a, if you can get those to figure out how to do it, you can game it. But if you play it the way it's intended, which is like a demo game or an intro level game where you're just having fun and moving some models around, you know, I, I think it's wonderful. 
Rick Hoy does get, get, give us gave us a great comment, but I want to focus on one of the things he said. You know, it really depends on the age of the kids. The older the child, the longer their attention span might be, and you got to cater to that, right? You know, we were talking about you know young children, Matt. Like they probably can go for twenty minutes or thirty minutes, and then they might be burned out. I guess now they say that it, it, there's probably some corollary to playing a game, right? Like you, you're not going to get a five year old or even a 10 year old probably to sit down and play a full game at Kings of war, but maybe you can do a, a turn of ambush. Well, and that's the thing is take breaks. I mean, there's nothing wrong with stopping the game of Kings of war. Maybe go and go, go eat supper, go to sleep, come back the next day. I mean, it's not like the figures are going to move overnight. That's not what's going to happen. I know uh, we take breaks during Marvel Crisis protocol because it's a time consuming game. And if you need to take a break, take a break. It's as simple as that. I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel like many people get that uh, because most of, most of the games we play tournament wise, you're setting a clock. If you have the resources at home, you got a table at home. You're going to play the game. Take a break. Just relax, man. I mean, it's it's a game meant to be played to have fun. Danny Graves has a great comment, and the one thing he says that I really want to focus in on is he said, "Don't try and force them to do what you want to do." It's like food, John. Right? Like you set the table. Here's dinner. They might eat the broccoli or they might not like it. Same thing with Game Kings of War. I mean, you lay it out there and if they take a take a, take a shine to it, cool. But if they don't, all right, you try something else. Nobody likes to be forced to do anything. I mean, you know, I don't like kids, especially don't like being forced to do stuff that's time consuming because uh, it takes away from their last moments of life. their their waiting hours yeah, as a little kid. Don't try to force it. I mean. You can slowly kind of creep in like, hey, pay more figures, pay more figures, but don't don't be like, paint this figure or you're grounded. Don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Don't. I made Jack, uh, once we got established, every tournament he had to have another another unit. And for a while there, that was a unit of like a regiment of something. It's tapered off to a war machine or a hero or something. Because otherwise, I don't, want, I don't want to just keep recycling the same unit. You, at first, you're building up you're building up a 2000 plus point army and then you want to play, well, maybe swap some units out. So really you've got about three or 4,000 points and you swap out what you want. But it's like, if you, if you just sit back and you don't paint a new army or you don't add to this one, just, you're just rehashing the same figures over and over again. And that's not always, I mean, Clash of Kings helps keep it fresh and make some previously not so interesting units more interesting, but you, you kind of have to keep at it. You have to keep, adding to one of your armies and Jackson's Basileans became his brother Mark. And now he, all those angels are sitting off to the side, but now he's got, you know, this, that, and the other. So even though it's the same core units, which I think by the way, is brilliant than what uh, Mantic has done with Kings of War in it. Multiple unit types are spread across multiple armies. So if you have a horde of earth elementals, you can play them in three different armies. You know, if, if you have, this particular type of figure, you don't, it's not locked into one of the 28 armies. You can play it in multiple. And so he's moved on to Brother Mark and done really well with, with, uh, with what, what, what are they called? Theme, theme lists. Was well, essentially a theme list of Basilea. He's done pretty good with it. And I think that really eases you into your next army project. Just keep painting, just keep moving forward. Next up, we got Chase Thompson. And I'm going to sum up his comment, which is you can take the rules and you can simplify them to make it more accessible to younger children. And that resonated with me because, you know, it might not be Kings of War, might not be the entry point. We talked about ambush, right? But but maybe, you know, uh, a dungeon crawler, right? They just came out with one, right? 
Dungeon Saga Origins. Yeah, yeah. So Dungeon Saga Origins just came out, right? And that's one where you have a game master, so you can really hand do some hand holding, but they only have one or two models, maybe, you know. You can take existing rules and you can cut some stuff out and simplify it to make it more accessible. Or you can find a game that already allows for more game mastery type management where you're sort of holding their hand and giving them less options. And Co-op games are really good for that because there's not that I'm not going to share what I know with you because I'm trying, I'm in competition with you, but co-op games is the entire group is pulling together and trying to beat the system. And uh, there's a few uh, miniatures heavy and a few miniatures light versions of games. Like uh, I think I got him with uh, shadows of brimstone back in the day because I bought it at Gen Con and, and I didn't open it for a week. And he was just, drooling like finally he came to me and said dad when are you going to open this game it looks awesome so yeah we uh, that that's a co-op game and it's a miniatures you paint miniatures and you roll dice and you help each other and so you can teach them and they can lean on your expertise and your not and your knowledge of the rules a lot more than in a competitive style game you just described the doubles event too right you know so if you have a, a younger person they want to get them into a game play kings of war as a double and a, as a pair you know, you've got your skill to kind of walk walk them into the tournament scene and show showcase. Because I mean, you guys started playing Blue Sea Brawl for the beginning, right? You were you you were at number one, right? I think we missed the first one. So we had three, and then we skipped one because of COVID, and then they've had two since. So there's been a total of five. So the first three were at the Rat House. Okay, so we we missed the first two then. So Mark Zielinski obviously has a lot of experience with playing with kids. You know, he's got his, his family has been gaming ever since I've known him, you know, and his comment was my favorite subject gaming with your kids is best. Can't wait for this one. So nowadays, are you asking them to play or letting them come to you after they see all your cool stuff and how much fun you're having? Yeah. It brings up a good point, right? Like, is it you trying to show them or are you letting them organically find it and then coming to you and saying, Hey, Dad, when are you going to open up this cool game that's been sitting here for a week? I think it's kind of a combination of both because there's a certain aspect of like uh, push pull. Like, I'm not going to force you to do it, but hey, look, cool models. I mean, and especially with especially with the stupid uh, y'all were talking about Shadows of Brimstone, right? I went I went to go get myself a drink. Yo, yeah, especially with that. Like, he left it on the the couch or the his his bed for weeks it's just and it's just sitting there like like a MacGuffin just itching I was like itching to get my fingers on it I flip the box over and I look at all the cool stuff on the back I drool a little bit and like I so so things like that I mean you ain't gotta you gotta outright influence them but you can like if if they're into Star Wars I mean hey look here's an imperial box that I got uh, you know and just sit on the bed set it on the counter i mean somewhere so it grabs their attention and they have that thought process and that's the thing is like if you have a unique thought and it proves useful it's a lot like better for you i mean you take more pride and it's like hey that's my thought so if you leave especially to little kids little kids are always trying to like have their own developing like unique thoughts and unique like actions and feelings because that that helps them with their confidence. I mean, if you have a unique thought and somebody's like, good idea, little Timmy, then that little Timmy's proud. And so if you, if you set that box there and Timmy looks at it and Timmy's like, maybe I want to play that. And that's what, that's the reaction you want. I mean, that's good. He'll come to you about that. If he doesn't want to play it, he'll ignore it. 
So it, it's kind of a win-win in that scenario. Jack, how old were you when I first took you to Gen Con? Do you remember? Oh, my Lord. Had to be like 10-ish. 10-ish? 9-ish, 10-ish, yeah. 9, uh, 10, yeah. I went up with my friends and had uh, my wife bring the kids on like Friday afternoon. So he really only got to do like Saturday and Sunday. But I took... You know, got some pictures and took him into the dealer hall and just, you know, mind blown. Took him over to where they were having the miniature games, where they have, you know, the uh, the Battle of Hoth and the Star Wars Trench Run, and they had the Battle of Five Armor. All these beautiful, gigantic tables set up with this just incredible uh, scenery on it. And that, you know, that that's pretty good. That, that whets your appetite. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Like I said, it doesn't even have to be miniatures in general. Like, mind blown from cosplayers. Like, hey, I recognize you out of, like, a movie, and that may flesh out your interest in the hobby more. That may flesh out your interest in uh, painting or or getting into uh, like-minded groups that have that, that share that same love for Star Wars, Kings of War, uh, Battlefront. I mean, anything like that. I, that is that is what it's all about. Finding your click, your group, and sticking with it. John Guns has a great comment. It hits on a lot of themes that we've talked about tonight. You know, go at their rate, keep it simple, encourage them. Don't be a competitive dad. You know, find out what they like. Is is it the hobbies or the gaming, etc. You know, and, and encourage that. Start with monopose figures that don't need sticking together and don't fall apart when with rough handling. You know, give them weekly allowance that is ring fenced for gaming. You know, spend time with him. You know, he goes on, but there's a lot of great stuff there. And he also mentions doubles events. He's another one that's a proponent for doubles events. Once they've got the bug and you know that it might stick and they want to take that next step, a doubles event is a great way to to, to do that. Uh, Mark Duffy says, find things they like, even if the armies are all mixed. Keep painting simple, but involve them. You know, for me, it's all about, you know, I love what he just said. It's about participation. It's about activity. It's about doing stuff. Thinky stuff can come down the road when you're reading rules or learning rules. Like in the beginning, they just want to paint cool stuff and have something cool to show, right? And and be creative. So uh, Kyle Presilinski, you know, his contribution to this discussion is make sound effects. Sure, that'd be awesome, right? Or or in the case of me and Jackson, talk trash, right, Jackson? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, first time we played, I, he he was talking more trash than I. I was like, first I was like, wait. Is he talking trash? And then I was like, "All right, well, good. Now, now I can talk trash." Uh, you know, unlike Jeremy, I don't make I don't make twelve year olds cry. Uh, it's a lot of fun to have that. So I have you to thank because I, I, you know, I didn't. But you know, now I kind of have to like, all right, you you gonna start something? All right, I'll I'll have to give it back. But I, it's not my fault. If y'all if on the on the receiving end of that, uh, yeah, he's a great trash talker. I'll give him that. Uh, and you know what, Jackson, no one takes a beating like you. You're the best. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. No one dishes out a beating like me either. Ain't that right? That's Ryan? true. What's our record now? Like five and one? It sounds like a Disney song. I don't know what movie that would be in, but you know, no one beats like Jackson. Anyways, <laughs> um, Stephen Tuck says, I started by letting my nephews, now 11 and 12, play with my armies on the table. They make up their own rules and play. Again, kind of talking about what, what Chase was talking about before. It doesn't even have to be any real sense, real world, real rules. It could just be set. You know, I, I don't know you guys. When I was a kid, I, I played with GI Joes. My playing was sort of like setting up the bases, right? Like and actually arranging them and getting them organized. I wasn't really playing as much as just getting. I mean, by the time I got them all set up, it was time to put them all away. 
So, you know, again, just give them some armies and let them run roughshod over your table. You know, give them some cool looking terrain and have them create their own story. I had big, big bags of uh, Dwarven Forge and, and I bought a bunch through Kickstarter, you know, unpainted and I painted them all. And so now my kids see all these basically <laughs> Lego blocks, big old dungeon yeah. blocks, you know, and they would just build these big dungeons and move figures around that they're not playing by any kind of rules, but they're just, oh, yeah, no, we're just big dungeons and put figures in it. Exactly. Yeah. It was, man, the first time he ever introduced that to us, I was just like, whoa, because it's, it's really cool. It is so cool to make. And that that's your own. That's like the big thing is play to their strengths. Uh, one of the biggest things that like, I think when I think uh, like of a kid is their imagination. They're very childlike, very imaginative. I mean, literally like ninja pirate robot zombies. I mean, just coming up with so such random cool stuff and part of that part of that is channeled into a focus like path when it comes to uh dwarven forge like all right well you can't you can't make some giant robot out of this but you can make a cool map that you think would be like think would be fun and challenging uh for whatever characters you've made up in your mind you can place them in that little map in your mind but that's that's part of it get their imaginations to work if you need to I mean, I love the the sound effects idea. Like, if if you need to uh, make sound effects, that's what I did with my little sister when we played Dead Zone. Is that like every time one of us shot, we make a little pew 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 noise? Like, exactly. And it brings a it brings a sense of lightheartedness, and uh, it eases off the competition. You're not there when you're playing with family. Uh, depends on what game you're playing, but if you're introducing a game to somebody, you're not gonna go in with I. Uh, Jeff's goblin list and just kick the crap, just mollywop them. That's not what you're going to do. You're going to go in, you're going to start off simple, you're going to do something, and you're just going to ease into it. And that's that's just how it's going to be. And it works out way better because, you know, you're not going your hardest, but you're still giving them a challenge. And maybe you'll let them in, maybe they'll lose, but they learn something along the way. And that's that's the big thing for, like, younger kids. And on that note, you know, Ryan Higgins just said, get them started young, which is great, right? That's that's great advice because, you you know, and Matthew Croger, Matt, Matt Croger, Matt Croger, Matt Croger uh, says, get them interested in the models. Another one, like, because, you know, some of the kids that are going to be interested in our in our game are maybe not into the game. They're into the hobby. And whereas you got Jackson's the other way, which is more into the game than the hobby. And that's OK. That's why this game is beautiful. You, you can focus and really spend your effort where you've are inclined to do so where you get the most enjoyment, the painting, the models and building the dioramas or smashing face on the tabletop. You know all about that. Don't you Rob? Just smashing face on table. It's funny. Cause I still have in my mind, it's, it's, it's been seared in my mind. Remember that time where I had a mammoth and it did a rear charge against you. Remember that? Uh, fuzzy memory, fuzzy chicka, memory. Chicka, 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 chicka. It was great. You got to be pumped up. Now I'm thinking of all those great times and all those games <laughs> that we've had where you're like, oh man, those cinematic moments that you're just like, how, what the F like happened? What the heck? And I, I've had, I've had several of those moments. One of my favorite moments of all time is with Dan Kamek. It was at Kings of Memphis. I was down. I, I could hear him laughing in the other room. Uh, I had, I was, my chips were down. It was turn six, I think. Yeah, I was turn six, and I think it was Dominate. And I had horsies that were kind of moving into the circle, but right behind them, chasing them, was a big old mutant rat fiend. But the mutant rat fiend was out of the inspiring bubble. 
and my one priest with his one attack ran up and crushed, caved the dude's skull in, double 11s, killed the mutant rat fiend, and won me the game. It's moments like that that just blow your mind like that that happened and that's that's the fun part about the game is the dice i mean it's the guys dice give it dice take it away i mean and those those make the moments that's what makes the game magical in my opinion we got a couple more comments nick brooks says the first idea is to just encourage what they're interested in my kids saw the 1990 mummy movie and got super into egyptian mummies so i bought some cheap plastic toys he could paint and i just spent time with him painting I think that's the important thing, spending time with your kids and try to encourage them to have fun. That's the that's the key word here. Fun, fun, fun. And then our final comment, David Fanning says, I had my boys paint an army and we made a backstory for them. That's what my daughter and I have done. So I, I, Kingdoms of Half Men, you know, I would paint a model. We would look at it, collectively created a general story of where the army came from. And she would write, you know, the individual backstory for each character. So much fun back and forth. You know, it gets back to what Nick was just saying, you know. Have fun spending time with your kid. And at the end of the day, if it's not Kings of War, if, you, if you're into books, you're into movies, whatever. Great episode, guys. Great episode and a lot of great tips and conversation about, you know, your experience. But, I mean, what would be your takeaway, John? You know, if, you know, someone's listening and they're looking to get, you know, family members, whether it's their children, maybe their wives, just people in general into into, into something like Kings of War. Make it fun. You did strict adherence to rules is not as important as just rolling dice and fun. Let's face it, rolling dice is fun. And pushing little dudes around tabletop and making pew-pew noises, that's that's fun. And the cooler it looks, the better it hooks. I need to go on a shirt, John. The cooler it looks, the better it hooks? That's fantastic. (laughs) Find out what they're into, because Lord knows there's any type of genre of any type of game. There's something out there especially in this golden age of PDF publishing and 3D printing, you'll find something that will interest them. And you can just baby steps and and play to the strengths, play to what they're interested in. Same question to you, Jackson. Dad kind of stole my thunder, but make the game about them. Make the game about y'all instead of the game. Yes, the game, the game is happening. But again, like I said previously, the game wouldn't be the game if it wasn't for everybody else playing some of my favorite moments in video games are well no basically all of my favorite moments in video games when i play are with my buddies i don't make i don't make uh fun clips in video games by myself that i mean it happens once in a blue moon but i don't play video games by myself i don't know because it's just it's a whole lot more fun with people make the game about each other rather than the game itself Still focus on the game, though. I mean, don't. I mean, that's how you lose games. <laughs> still, still focus on the game, but just make it make it more about the togetherness and the time that you spend with each other because that's more that's more priceless than anything else is the time that you spend together because that's what they'll come back to. That's they'll come back for the game, but ultimately is like I know Dad has an ongoing rivalry with uh, who is it, Dad? No, not a rivalry. It's just fun. He's he, Brian Trey is a lot of fun to play, and every, he keeps winning uh, best sports awards for a reason. And I've never had a bad. I love looking forward to playing with. It, it's a great time. Yeah, I get to play him every week, so I'm a little I'm a little biased, right? Like, yeah, he's a, he's a really fun opponent. The first time I played him, it was a Blue City Brawl, and I they don't they didn't announce the the scenarios ahead of time, right? 
So Jack convinced me to bring a very, very shooty dwarf list to go along with his ogres. And then at the end of day one, because it's at a brewery and there's lots of drinking and drinking and thinking don't go too well together. So the last day of day one, last uh, scenario is kill. And I, when we, I looked down to open the folder and I saw the scenario and I looked up at him and I said, Oh man, I'm so sorry. If I thought kills on the table, I never brought this list because all he had, all he could do was walk across the table for three turns while I shot him in pieces, but he had the, the best attitude, great time. And I've loved playing every game with him ever since, because it's, it's all about, it's all about the people and hanging out, man. It's great. That's what brings people back. Yeah. Same question to you, Matt. How would you wrap up tonight? I'm going to go with kind of my thinking. So listening to all that, seeing all those awesome ideas, uh, I got a, a copy of the Dungeon Saga Origins, and uh, I was all excited. I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to really spend a lot of time and really make these models look amazing. But I, I've uh, come to a, a different conclusion after tonight. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, I'm going to get that bad boy down. My uh, daughters and I are going to start painting stuff up, and we're going to play probably four, five, and six is a hit, and a one, two, and a three is a miss, and we're going to just have some fun with it, I think. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's got me thinking in a different way of, okay, how do I approach this with my girls? So I'm, I'm super excited now. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. It was totally awesome. Before we get out of here, any events we want to plug? I know, Matt, we got Hoosier Storm coming up, right? Yeah, Hoosier Storm coming up, 17th and 18th of February. Info's on Facebook, a couple other places, and uh, just let us know, and we'd love to have you come up. It's a lot of fun. And John, how about you? You got any uh, any events coming up that you want to plug? Well, not that I'm personally uh, involved in setting up, but I will mention that Circle of Iron is back. It's down in uh, northern Alabama at Hunnegar, and it's 2,300 points. It's the first weekend in May. So Mike Byram's putting that on, and uh, that's the most local other than Blue City, which I figured that would let you uh, push because that's right in your backyard. Ditto to Dad, pretty much. I mean – all of these tournaments are a blast. Uh, Axe Rinder, I mean, uh, Blue City Brawl, always fun. I'm playing with Dan Kamek this year at Blue City Brawl. Maybe we'll have to play in the first round. Oh, really? Really? You going to call us out? No, I don't grudge down. <laughs> I'm, call- I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. I think Dan's got a complex playing against Jack because Jack beat him at DNT, too. Jack's beat me a few times. He's had- Jack's had much success against those rats. We'll work something out. We always do. Well, awesome, guys. It's been a great show. Hopefully, uh, folks got something from this. And, you know, what? as we post this on a Facebook page, make sure if you have any additional things we should have considered or extra comments, feel free to add it to uh, the, the Facebook post that, that uh, shares this episode. You know, I think that's going to do us tonight. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 